This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 54, entitled The Israelite King and High Human Christology, Part 3. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and I am your host. In our past few episodes, we have been exploring how God regularly invested his authority, his attributes, and his divine prerogatives into human beings, specifically into the human Israelite king. This mortal king could therefore say and do things typically reserved for God alone in addition to receiving worship from other human beings. When God authorizes his human agent by empowering him with these divine attributes, the king functions as God's representative, bearing a high human status. No one thought that the Israelite king, being a human being, tarnished Israel's strict monotheism or blasphemed the only true God. Rather, this king faithfully exercised his God-given prerogatives as an ideal human being. This understanding of the Israelite king bearing a high human status allowed us to better understand the writers of the New Testament in their portrayals of Jesus, a human being who also bore God's attributes, God's prerogatives, and God's authority. Jesus was able to do all of these things not because he was God himself, but because he was empowered with a high human status like the Israelite kings before him. This points to a New Testament Christology appropriately described as a high human Christology rather than a Trinitarian Christology. Our survey of the high human status given to the Israelite king continues today with an exploration of Psalm 89 and First Chronicles. So without further ado, let's begin our study. Our first point today is called the high human status of the Israelite king in Psalm 89. We have a variety of passages within Psalm 89 that demonstrate that God invests his authority, prerogatives, and empowerment into a human being, namely the Israelite king. So in Psalm 89 verse 13, we can see that the psalmist says about God, quote, You have a strong arm, your hand is mighty, your right hand is exalted. That's Psalm 89 and verse 13. But the passage goes on in verses 20 through 21, and it says about God, I have found David, my servant, with my holy oil, I have anointed him, with whom my hand will be established, my arm will also strengthen him. That's Psalm 89, verses 20 through 21. So there we can see in the first verse, verse 13, that God has the strong arm. His hand is mighty. God's right hand is exalted. But we can see in 89, 20 through 21, that God's arm is going to strengthen this king. So there we can see that God empowers this human Israelite king with his own strength and with his own might. We can also note there in verse 21 where it says, with whom, meaning 
with this Israelite king, my hand, God's hand, will be established, that God's own hand is being established and upheld in this human king. This human king is the vessel through whom God's own hand, meaning his power and authority and dominion, is being established. God rules through this unique human agent. Moving on, we can see in Psalm 89 and verse 14 that the passage says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and faithfulness go before you. That's Psalm 89 and verse 14, where we see a variety of personifications of God's attributes. His righteousness, his justice, his loving kindness, and his faithfulness are the foundation of God's throne, and they go before him. These are personifications of his attributes. I am interested in the last two, the loving kindness and the faithfulness, which come from the Hebrew nouns chesed and emet, meaning loving kindness and faithfulness. So those belong to God in Psalm 89 and verse 14. But we can see that God shares these attributes with the Israelite king in verse 24. Psalm 89, 24 says, My faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him, and in my name his horn will be exalted. That's Psalm 89 and verse 24, where those same two nouns, faithfulness and loving kindness, being the Hebrew nouns emet and chesed, are belonging to God. They are God's own attributes, but he shares them with the human Israelite king. As that passage says, my faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him. So there we can see God takes his own attributes, his own unique divine attributes, and he shares them with a human being, precisely the human Israelite king. We can see another aspect of God sharing his rule in 89 verse 9, which says about God, quote, You rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. That's Psalm 89 and verse 9, where God demonstrates his authority over the sea and over the waves and over the chaotic waters. God has authority and dominion over them. He is the one that can still these chaotic waters. But we can see that he shares this authority and dominion with the Israelite king in Psalm 89 and verse 25, which says, quote, I shall also set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers, end quote. That's Psalm 89 and verse 25. There God speaks and he says that he is going to set the Israelite king's hand upon the sea and the Israelite king's right hand on the rivers. The God who rules the seas and who stills the chaotic waters sets his divine hand upon the human king so that the king is able to have dominion over the sea and the rivers. This is very interesting because we see in the New Testament Jesus demonstrating authority over the chaotic waters, over the sea, over the storms. And this is because he shares in the empowerment from God, who is the original person who has authority and dominion over the sea and over the waters. So that's a very interesting passage. Moving on, we can see in Psalm 89, 26, where it talks about how the Israelite king, quote, will cry to me, will cry to God, saying, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. That's Psalm 89, verse 26, where the psalmist points out that the human Israelite king will address God as, quote, 
my father and, quote, as my God. The human king thus addressing God as my father and my God indicates that no matter how highly Israel's God invests his attributes and prerogatives into the human king, the king still has a God and still functions as God's son, calling God my father. It's very interesting there to see that this highly empowered human being is not God in the flesh. No, he is an authorized human agent that still addresses the only true God as my father and as my God. So that's it for Psalm 89. Let's move to our second point. Our second point today is called the high human status of the Israelite king in 1 Chronicles. Let's look here in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, where both of our passages from 1 Chronicles are going to appear. In 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 20, we have a very important passage, which says, Then David said to all the assembly, quote, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. That's 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 20. So there we see in this extremely important passage that both Yahweh and the Israelite king share in the same worship. God and the king are both the objects of the verbs bow low and do homage. Let me read that again. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. That's First Chronicles 29 and verse 20. So we can see that giving worship to a human being in the same way that one gives worship to God is not blasphemous if that king has been authorized by God as the divinely empowered human agent of God's rule and reign. And if there's any person that is truly authorized to receive the worship of God, it is the one through whom God is investing his rule and his reign, meaning the Israelite king. Moving on a few verses later in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 23, we read, Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father, and he prospered and all Israel obeyed him. That's 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 20, where very clearly Solomon sat on the throne of Yahweh. Solomon here clearly is sitting on the Davidic throne, the throne that is established there in Jerusalem. But we can see there that God has invested his rule and his authority and his empowerment into this human king so that God's throne can be shifted and that rule can now be carried out into the rule and reign of this human king. So that the passage can say, Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord. Solomon here sits on his own throne, the throne of David, but this throne is called the throne of Yahweh because God shares his throne and his rule in this human Israelite king. In sum, our exploration of Psalm 89 and 1 Chronicles has revealed a lot of information regarding how Jews understood God investing his authority, his prerogatives, and his attributes into a human regent, namely the Israelite king. First, God empowers the king with his strength, 
indicating that God is actually energizing the king's mighty deeds. Second, God shares his attributes, namely his loving kindness and his faithfulness with the human king, to where the king possesses things formerly belonging only to God. Third, God shares his authority over the chaotic waters with the human king, allowing the king to exercise dominion that formerly belonged to God alone. Fourth, God will function as the father and God of this human king, and the king will address God with these terms. Fifth, the human king can be worshipped alongside God without any threat of blasphemy. And six, God shares his throne with the human king, empowering him with God's unique rule. When readers of the New Testament see that the human Jesus is doing the very same things described of the human Israelite king in Psalms and Chronicles, they need not jump to the conclusion that Jesus has to be God in order to do all of these exalted things. It was quite possible for God to empower and authorize a human regent with a high human status to perform feats typically reserved for God alone. So let's examine the New Testament evidence. Our third point today is looking at the depictions of Jesus within the New Testament in light of Psalm 89 and 1 Chronicles. Just as God empowered the human Israelite king in Psalm 89 and 1 Chronicles with a high human status, the authors of the New Testament regularly depict Jesus Christ, the king of the kingdom of God, as a highly authorized human being, ruling on behalf of the one true God. Here are some of the most noteworthy similarities. We can see in the New Testament that God invests his attributes into the human king, Jesus. We don't have time to read all of these passages, so I'm just going to cite the summary and the citation from Scripture. So we can see that Jesus forgives sins as a human with an empowered authority in Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. We can also see that Jesus works on the Sabbath because God works on the Sabbath. That's in John 5, verse 17. And we can also see that Jesus issues judgment because God has given judgment over to the Son. That is said in John 5 and verse 27. All those passages point to the fact that God invests his attributes into the human king Jesus in the same way that God invested his attributes into the Israelite king. We can also see in the New Testament that Jesus shares in God's authority and dominion over the chaotic waters. In Matthew 8, verses 24 through 27, Jesus rebukes the sea and calms the storm. We can also see that Jesus walks on the sea in Matthew 14, verses 24 through 33. And lastly, we can see that Jesus points to where the fish are in the sea, demonstrating his authority over those waters in John 21, verses 5 through 8. Moving along, we can see that Jesus, like Psalm 89, 26 says, addresses Israel's God as, quote, my father and, quote, my God. So Jesus calls God my father and my God. And of course, we can't read all these passages, but Jesus actually calls God my father over 100 times in the New Testament. Over 100 times, Jesus addresses God, 
the only true God, as my Father. And Jesus actually says, my God, ten times in the New Testament. In Matthew, Mark, John, and the book of Revelation. Moving along, we can see that Jesus receives worship as an authorized human being. Jesus is not worshipped as God. He is receiving the worship as an authorized human being. In Matthew 28, verse 17 through 18, we can see that the disciples worshipped Jesus after his resurrection and reception of all authority in heaven and on earth. So Jesus receives all authority in heaven and on earth, and the disciples worship him. That's Matthew 28, verses 17 through 18. And of course, Paul says in Philippians 2, 9 through 10, that every knee will bow down to Jesus, and ultimately this worship to Jesus is to the glory of God the Father. Lastly, we can see in Revelation 5, verses 8 through 10, that Jesus is worthy of worship and hymns because of his sacrificial death that purchased for God men from every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. That's Revelation 5, 8 through 10, where Jesus receives hymns and he receives worship. You can see that Jesus shares in God's own throne in a variety of passages. In Revelation 3:21, Jesus promises the Christian conquerors a place on his throne, just as Jesus conquered and sat down with the Father on his throne. That's Revelation 3.21. Basically, Jesus is saying there in the symbolism of Revelation that those who conquer, those Christians who conquer, will share in Jesus' rule and reign, just as Jesus is now sharing in God's rule and reign because Jesus has conquered. We can also see in Revelation 22 and verse 3 that Revelation envisions, quote, the throne of God and of the Lamb demonstrating that God and the Lamb share a single throne. This is because God shares his throne, the throne of Yahweh, with the human king, just as he did with the Israelite king back in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 23. And lastly, we can see in Ephesians 5, 5, a reference to the kingdom of God also being the kingdom of Christ, Christ being God's anointed king. So God sharing his throne, meaning God is in charge and he shares his authority and his dominion with the human king. And the human king, climactically, is Jesus the Christ, God's anointed king. So Ephesians 5.5 5 can talk about the kingdom of Christ and God. So, in conclusion, we have observed that Psalm 89 and 1 Chronicles depict how God can empower a fully human regent to bear God's attributes, share in God's strength, and exercise God's authority over the chaotic waters. Furthermore, the human king could share in the worship given to Yahweh and even share in God's own throne, allowing the Israelite king to be the vessel through whom God's rule and reign are realized on earth. And yet, this human king still acknowledges Israel's God as my father and as my God. It comes as no surprise that the New Testament, exhibiting a high human Christological understanding of Jesus Christ, also depicts him with the same empowerment with which God invested the Israelite king. Jesus, as a human being, shares in God's attributes and prerogatives. 
Jesus also exercises his God-given dominion over the chaotic waters and sea. Moreover, Jesus, as a human being, is worshipped and shares God's throne. When the New Testament authors portray Jesus doing all of these things, they are not indicating that Jesus is God or a member within the Godhead. Rather, Jesus is a human being bearing the divine empowerment from God, precisely as God's messianic agent, the climactic king at the end of a long line of Israelite kings who similarly bore a high human status from the only true God, the Father. If you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us. You can check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. I also want to recommend the Restitutio Podcast for those who desire longer episodes on a wider variety of biblical topics. You can check out the Restitutio Podcast at restitutio.org or on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Again, my name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.